Dr. Gray sat alone at the desk in his office, a small room off the larger front parlour that acted as his examining room. He stared miserably at the X-ray film before him. Both of Charles Stone's legs had been so severely crushed the good doctor could not imagine any degree of function being regained over time. He held the X-ray back up to the golden October light streaming in from the side window and squinted at it one last time, even though he knew there was nothing more to see, nothing that would make any of this one jot easier to relay. Having grown up in Chorton, Dr. Gray had moved to London during the Great War for medical school and training, returning to the village in 1930 to take over old Dr. Simpson's practice. Over the past thirteen years, he had welcomed into the world as many patients as he had seen out. He knew every family's history and their doom, and the ones where madness skipped a generation or asthma did not. He knew which patients one could tell the cold hard truth to, and which ones fared better not knowing. Charlie Stone would do better not knowing, at least for now. He would keep from the edges of despair that way, until the march of time and increasing poverty took precedence over his pride. Dr. Gray put his fingers to his temples and pushed in hard. Before him, on the blotter pad, rested a series of medicine bottles. He stared absent-mindedly at one of them, then pushed himself up from the arms of his wooden swivel chair with resolution. It was mid-afternoon, and normally the time that his nurse and housekeeper would be bringing him his tea, but he needed some air, needed to clear his brain and find some respite from all the cares that piled up before him every day. He was the general practitioner for the village of Chorton, but also its confidant, father figure, and resident ghost, someone who knew more about the future and the past than anyone else. He left his rose-covered thatched cottage through the green front door that was always open to patients, and led straight out onto the street. Like all the former worker cottages, the house was so close to the main road that it practically half-heaved itself onto it. His nurse Harriet Peckham tried to keep the front bay window's lace curtains drawn as much as possible during patient visits, but the small beady eyes of the town had proven themselves even smaller still by a willingness to peer through the eyelet pattern and thin crack where the panels tried to meet. He started down the lane and saw the Alton taxi pulling up at the junction where Winchester Road split in two, and where the old pond had only recently been drained. Three ducks could still on occasion be spotted meandering about the roads, searching for their lost paradise. But right now, Dr. Gray was watching three middle-aged women instead as they stepped out of the cab amidst a flurry of hats and handbags, landing right in front of the old Jane Austen cottage. Despite the war now stretching across the Atlantic, women of a certain age still saw fit to travel to Chorton to see where Austen had lived. Dr. Gray had always marvelled at their female spirit in coming to pay homage to the great writer. Something had been freed in them by the war. Some essential fear that the world had tried to drum into them had collapsed in the face of an even greater enemy. He wondered if the future, just as the cinema foretold, belonged to these women. 
chattering, gathering, travelling women, full of vigour and mission, going after what they wanted, big or small, just like Bette Davis in Jezebel, or Greer Garson in his favourite movie, Random Harvest. Dr. Gray permitted himself one night a week to indulge a passion that he had shared with his late wife, a bus trip to the neighbouring town of Alton to see the newest movie release. The rest of his free time he spent trying to distract himself from thinking about Jenny. But now, when the movie house lights dimmed and the couples slouched against each other even farther still, he allowed himself to picture his beloved wife and their own nights out at the cinema together. She had always wanted to see the weepies, those woman-scented films starring such actresses as Catherine Hepburn and Barbara Stanwyck, and he would sometimes put up a little fuss, a little push for a western or a gangster film. But he always ended up enjoying her choices as much as she did. Sometimes they would even skip the bus after and walk the half-hour home in the moonlight instead, talking over the film they had just seen. He couldn't wait to hear what she had to say.